Sorry. There we go. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Good morning. It's good to uh, be able to share with you this morning about Advent. If I can get all my technology to work, maybe. There we go. So we are continuing our, our Advent series this morning. And if you were here last week, we, we talked about hope uh, in the genealogy of Jesus and uh, how throughout the, his life, throughout his, uh, his genealogy and the lives of those in that genealogy, we see the faithfulness of God and his promises and how we can trust in those promises and that they bring hope. It brings hope that there's this, been, this thread of hope that has been going through those generations in, the, in that scripture in Matthew about how first started with Abraham and then all the way down to the last set of names, this obscure set of names that we don't really know much about. They kept this lineage alive because this Savior needed to be from the house of David. And so where's this hope in, in God's promises and that we can continue to trust and, uh, in those promises as well. This morning we, we lit the, the peace candle, and uh, what does peace look like? What does it mean for us? In Jesus' day, peace meant for many of the Jewish people um, deliverance from the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire ruled over the region, uh, and the Jews hated them. They longed for a Messiah to come and lead them against the Romans and take back all that was theirs. And so this is how they seen peace, by making war so that they could have their kingdom back the way it was. That this Savior, this Messiah would come from the line of David and be a king like David. A king of the Jews there on earth and he would rule and reign and conquer other kingdoms and empires the way David did. They longed for this. This is what they were hoping for. This is what they desired. This is what peace would look like for them. We all long for peace in different ways, if we're being honest. And I think it's one of the reasons that we like this story, the Christmas story. After all that Mary and Joseph endure and overcome to get to Bethlehem and have Jesus, there is something peaceful about that scene, just the three of them. Now, there wasn't any crowds, and sure, they had some visitors, but there's something peaceful about the picture of just Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, just the three of them on the first Christmas morning. Like I said, we all long for peace, but we live in a world that severely lacks it. We feel worry and anxiety about our health, money, the future, what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in our families. Relationally, we have conflicts and stress continuously. Worldwide, it seems like there's always a new conflict, war or disaster. It can feel that peace is hard to find. This morning, our text is uh, Luke chapter 2, 1 to 21, and this is one of the, the prominent Christmas stories, and it will actually serve for our text both this week and next week. So this week, we're going to just look at a couple verses, more of a micro look, and next week, we're going to go through all 21 verses um, more closely. And so this morning, I want to um, encourage you to join me as you read Luke chapter 2, 1 to 21, and we'll specifically be focusing on verse 13 and 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This this was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, 
to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born today in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all the people who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as has been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. He was now, <clears throat> his name was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This morning, we're going to take a closer look at verse 13 and 14. And it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God and peace among those with whom he is pleased. Some manuscripts would say, Peace, goodwill among men, is how they would say that. What the angels are saying here is that God will bring peace for men. And we know that this peace comes only through Jesus. Because unlike the shepherds, we have the entire word of God at our disposal to see the greater story of Jesus. But what does it mean for us practically in our lives amidst a world that peace is sometimes hard to find? How does Jesus bring peace in our lives? This morning I want to look at a little bit of the dialogue from the angels to the shepherds. It says in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. This dialogue with the angel shows us a couple of things. It shows us that the Messiah has come, that he has come from the line of David, as was foretold. What is happening is done by God, and is worthy of praise and his glory. We see that in the response of the angels. We'll talk about next week in the response of the shepherds as well. And finally, it's for this purpose of peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So how does Jesus bring peace in our lives? The first way and ultimately the most important is that Jesus brings peace between us and God. This is the most notable form of peace that Jesus brings. And it's actually essential for the other ways that Jesus brings peace in our lives. If you were with us during our Ephesians series in late summer and early fall, you will remember that we talked at length about that in Christ. 
we are a new creation. When we come to know Jesus as our Savior, there's this new creation that's happening in us. And this new creation comes from this free gift of grace through faith in Jesus. This gift is offered to all people as reconciliation with God. But as Paul states in Ephesians chapter 2, that before Christ, we were enemies of God. Other places it's talked about how we were far off and in Christ we were brought near. That we were in darkness, but now we are in light. And however we want to see that analogy, it's clear from the word that God and man were separated by sin and something needed to be done so that we could bridge that gap and have peace with God. This is something that's very familiar to us. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are not naturally at peace with God. This is why the gospel being shared and lived out is so important. Because we live in a world where many do not have peace between God. They need Jesus in their lives. They need to hear about him and they need to see the difference he makes in our lives because he makes all of the difference, not only in our peace with God, but in our relationships, in how we look at the world, how we process things around us that are happening. It's important for us as the church to recognize our responsibility. When we think of the peace that God brings through Christ, it's the same peace that we are called to share with the world, both in what we say, but also in how we live. It's supposed to be seen in us in how we walk out our lives and how we speak it and how we share the gospel. One of the things that's pretty commonly known in most churches is that most people are terrified at sharing the gospel. It's one of the things that we need to trust in the Lord and ask him to lead us in into the moments that we have with people to be able to share this good news of the peace that we have in Jesus. Everyone who finds peace with God finds it in the work that Jesus did on the cross. Isaiah 53 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. It's important, vitally important, that we don't separate this from the Christmas story. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die for your sin, for your freedom. And so that you could have peace with God. It was he who came to make a way. I remember when I first started at Tabery Free a long time ago, uh, I did a Christmas uh, message during Advent and I talked about this idea. And uh, there was a gentleman that came in to, to, at the time, it was Harry who was the pastor and he wanted to meet with both of us. And he looked right at me and said, he said, we need to, I, want, I want you to keep going, I want you to keep preaching and share the Christmas story, but I don't want to hear anything about people dying. And I remember Harry gently explaining to him that that's the whole purpose of this. And sometimes in the church, we can, we can make Christmas really cute. And it's important for us to remember and, and, and anticipate Jesus' birth, but that birth comes with a purpose. That purpose is your redemption. That he would make you right with God. Because you couldn't make yourself right with God. And in that, there is hope, and then there is a joy that we have to give to the world. There is purpose enough just in that. Never mind the things that God might gift us in or place at our feet to do, but just in that, there is purpose in knowing who Jesus is and knowing that there are people that need to know that great hope that we have. The second way is that Jesus brings hope within ourselves. We talked about how sin brings separation between us and God, but it also puts us at a conflict within ourselves internally. 
We want to honor the Lord. We want to follow Jesus with our lives. But we sometimes desire other things. Our sinful nature pulls us into things that our flesh desires. And this is why Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts for all those that would put their faith in him so that we would have a helper in our desire to live out our lives with him. Knowing that the road of faith is not always perfect. And it's certainly full of some stumbling blocks. Some places where we stumble and we fall and we get back up and we move forward again. The Spirit is with us. It's here to keep us moving in the direction to follow Jesus. To encourage us. To convict us. To help us work through our sin. And so we have this inner conflict sometimes between what our, what our flesh desires and what the Spirit desires in us. So one of the ways that there is peace within us is that when we continue to follow in what Christ has for us in our obedience with him, there is peace within our own conflict of our sinful nature. So that's one way that Jesus brings peace to us. But sometimes, if you're like me, you feel nervous or anxious or afraid or overwhelmed by the world or things in it. Maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe your life is perfect and you never feel scared or worried. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Certainly there are times where our worries and our anxieties need more help, especially when they're caused by trauma or other factors. And that is okay. I don't want to repeat that. That is okay. But we all feel times where we are overwhelmed. Maybe in our marriages, or at work, or in a circumstance in our family. Maybe something's going on with a friend and we just don't know how to handle it. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've said a quiet prayer and needed God to quiet the storm going on around me, or in me. And he has answered that prayer. But I've also been in situations where peace doesn't come immediately, but a little more gradually. Particularly in my journey through anxiety, then through my fertility journey with my wife Heather, and then also with the death of my father last year. I didn't always feel peace immediately. I would pray and I would trust God, and there were moments of peace, there were times of of that clarity, but it didn't seem like God was giving me this lasting peace in it. And the key was that I needed to have faith and trust that God will bring peace a lasting peace. peace. Faith is a journey of following God. And last week I talked about how God has this great master plan and that our lives are part of that plan. He's intimately involved in, in our lives. and We're not the main characters. Jesus is the main character. But we get to partake and be part of this plan. And we need to trust God in his greater plan that when we need things, when there's things that we need, when we need peace... He will bring it, and he will bring a lasting peace. So sometimes peace or lasting peace comes in his timing, in his perfect timing. Maybe not in my timing, maybe not when I want it, but we can trust that he will bring it. It's interesting, in John chapter 14, while Jesus was spending his last night with his disciples before he went to the cross, he said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Jesus knows what his disciples are going to face as he departs them. It won't be easy for them. But he encourages them in the peace he leaves them. He encourages them not to be afraid what's ahead. Because peace will go with them. 
What's interesting about this verse is that as his disciples walk out the purpose Jesus has for them, they are completely sold out for him. Willing to die, willing to give up anything, as long as his message is proclaimed. And their life was not easy. It was full of danger, worries, hardships, death, torture. But one of the things that I found in my own life when I'm walking in what God has called me, there's a peace in that purpose. And even when that thing that I'm walking in or the thing God is calling to might be hard or difficult, there's peace in walking in his purpose. I sense that I'm in his purpose, that I'm in his will, and I'm doing the things that he's calling me to. And as I walk that out, I feel his peace in that. One other way that God brings peace in ourselves, I think he uses the people of God, the people of Jesus to bring peace in our lives as well. There's a reason that we call this a family, church family. We don't all have Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner together, and that's, let's be honest, that's probably for the best. But this is a church family. This is a people that care about each other. And we need each other. And I've found so many times in my life, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, that more than just praying, and and as important as that is, and more important, doing the things that bring peace, it's been a brother or a sister in Christ that has come alongside me, and that relationship, that friendship, maybe a coffee or a lunch, hanging out, doing something we enjoy, going to a hockey game, walking around a bookstore, just doing something where you're with another person who understands you, And it brings peace. I think those are some of the ways that Jesus can bring peace amongst ourselves, in our own selves. And it's easy to make light of the fact that we say, well, if we just pray, then then peace will come. But we also have to have faith in in the word of God and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm praying to you. I'm praying that you would bring peace in my life. I'm walking out the things that I, I also need to do to find peace, the, the things that would promote health in my life or, or talking to someone or being around somebody, and God will work in those things. I know in my own anxiety journey when I was going to counseling, I don't talk about this a lot, but I was trying to just work through my trauma and work through my anxiety myself and not really let anybody in, not let friends in. I would talk to my family a little bit about it. And I lasted about a week of working through that before I was crying on my floor in my living room, begging my wife not to go to work because I couldn't be alone. And it was at that point where I realized that I needed more help than simply just my friends or my family, that I needed to talk to somebody. And I want to repeat that one more time. That's okay. That doesn't mean you lack faith. That doesn't mean you were weak. That doesn't mean that something is wrong or you're sinful. Sometimes with trauma or things that go on, we need people who are specialized in that to help us work through that. And it was interesting. As I started to walk through that with a counselor, I started to find a peace. The peace that people were praying over me, I started to sense it and feel it. People would text me, we're praying for you, we're praying for peace. And I would start to sense it and feel it as I would walk out these things. Jesus can bring peace in our inner turmoil. Often we turn to so many other things but him to try to find that peace in so many things. But peace, Jesus can bring peace to our inner turmoil. Thirdly, Jesus brings peace between us and others. I don't think this is new news, but human life is full of conflict. We all experience it. We're going to experience it. Early on in the Christmas story, we see quite the dramatic scene unfold. 
Joseph finds out that the woman he has promised to is pregnant. And when he hears this, he wanted to break off the engagement with her. He would have been naturally hurt and confused, thinking Mary had been unfaithful. And he could have done just that. Then and there, be rid of her, be done. But the angel appears to him in a dream. And as it's recorded in Matthew chapter 1, it says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph could have woke up and disregarded this dream and handled the situation how he wanted and in his way. Instead, he trusts God's way and peace is made with him and Mary. This little baby Jesus brings peace between his parents before they ever even meet him. I think there's a lesson in that story because we often try to deal with conflict ourselves. How do I win at conflict? How do I get my way? How do I become right? How can I prove myself? Yet God's way is forgiveness without any strings attached. It's reconciliation. It's restoration. And he calls us to be people of peace. Life is challenging and we're going to find ourselves in conflicts. In your family, in your workplaces, in your friends, even in the church. And this is when we need to ask Jesus to help us to be people of peace. For him to intervene by his spirit in us to reconcile and restore. But for this to happen, we have to desire those things. If it's our desire to be right or to be proven right or to not be wrong in any way, we won't desire peace. People of peace desire restoration and reconciliation. And we must be people that desire to have God soften our hearts in these things. And the church is to be an example of this peace between others. If you remember in our Ephesians series, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. This is Paul speaking specifically to the Jew and Gentile division in the church. The hostility that they had between each other. The hatred that they had between each other. But because of Christ, because of all that he had done, there is now peace between these two groups. Paul says in Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. It's clear that peace is an important part of being a healthy church. It's expected by the Apostle Paul. But more than that, we would be people who would allow Christ to see peace happen in us and through us so that they would see him in us. Over the last couple months, I've talked a lot about unity and peacemaking. And some of you have had no problem sharing your annoyance with it. Like, move on, Brett. Talk about something else. Come on. But the peace that we can have between brother and sister in Christ is one of the greatest testimonies of what Jesus can do in the church. The fact that we can all come together from different backgrounds, different ages, different works, different things that we do, different political ideologies, and we can come and we can worship in unity and we can serve the Lord in mission, that's one of the greatest testimonies to the world. That a group of diverse people can come together and share together in something. That unity can make a massive impact on a community and in the world. Lastly, Jesus also brings peace on earth. He will bring peace on earth. The peace that the angels declare to the shepherds bring peace between us and God 
It brings peace within ourselves and peace with other people. But it will also bring peace on earth one day. Last week I talked briefly about Jesus' return and that he will redeem all things. All things will be redeemed in him. That we can have hope in that and trust in that because of the promises that he gave to Abraham and David and the prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus' birth, the prophecies and promises will also be fulfilled in his return one day. And when he returns, he will bring peace. There will be no conflict, war, or division in heaven. Isaiah 2, verse 4 says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they, neither shall they war anymore. At first, this seems to be a general prophecy about God bringing peace in maybe a situation in Israel's journey or in a fight. But when you look at it through some of Isaiah's other prophecies later on in the chapters, Isaiah 9, as we've already read this morning, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. This familiar Christmas verse is a prophecy that Jesus will be born as a child. He will be called Prince of Peace and will one day rule in peace over all of the earth. But Isaiah even talks about how it's going to get even better than that. It won't just be peace between people. And Isaiah Chapter 11, verse 6 to 9, he he talks about this, this weird thing that will happen when Jesus brings peace. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Jesus truly is the Prince of Peace. And only he could bring a peace like that, a perfection like that. This is what Jesus will return to do one day. This is the peace that he will bring. He will make all, thing, all things right. Everything that has been broken or decayed, or has fallen apart, or has fallen into sin, he will make those things right. We will be right with God, right with others, no longer plagued by the worry and the hardships of this life, and everything around us will be made new. Jesus brings peace between God and us by doing so we can experience peace in ourselves with others, and one day with all of creation. This little baby boy who the angels told the shepherds about, and we're going to see next week about their excitement, brings peace to the world. Because he will grow and become the Messiah that all humanity needs. Not just the king that the Jews needed, but a savior that you need, that your neighbor needs, that that person in your family needs, that that coworker needs. 
He will not establish a new kingdom of the Jews, but a kingdom for eternity, a perfect, blessed kingdom. So is there some area in your life today that needs peace? Maybe you're here and you've never made peace with God. You've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've even thought about what it might look like to have a relationship with Jesus. But you've never really asked any questions or thought more about that. Maybe you've been interested in a, for a while about who Jesus is and the way that he died for our sins and makes us free from the bondage of that sin. If you have questions about that, if you're interested in that, come talk to me. Come talk to one of our elders. Maybe you've been dealing with something in your own life. Fear, anxiety, and you've been afraid to bring it up with a friend or bring it to God. I would encourage you to do that. If it's something that you're struggling with and you might need more help to talk to somebody, book an appointment with a pastor or a trusted counselor. Pray for God to bring you peace, to work in that situation. If you have conflict with someone, be someone who can bring peace in it. Desire reconciliation. Restoration. Pray that Jesus would Reveal in your hearts the ways that maybe you're holding on to something that you need to let go of so that you can bring peace with somebody else. Peace doesn't mean that it justifies everything that happens. Peace brings about a contentness with somebody. It might not even mean that that friend that maybe has grown distant will necessarily become a good friend again, but it will means that the hostility of the feelings or the actions will be over. Be a peacemaker. Be someone who brings peace. Look for ways that you might be able to bring peace even in amongst your own church in the ministries you serve in. Don't wait. One day, those who put their faith in Jesus will see this ultimate peace for all of eternity. But here and now, we can have peace in many areas of our lives. Even in the storms of life and the difficulties that are going on, we serve an incredible God who has redeemed us, who has empowered us, who's at work in your lives, who's closer than a brother and deeply desires for you to lean and trust in him, that you would not walk alone. So I would encourage you as we walk into this Christmas season, take the opportunity to allow Jesus to bring peace in these areas of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we could spend some time hearing your word and worshiping you. We're grateful.